Uh, welcome to the Sandcast, people. We are back in the Sandcast studios, high above the Manhattan Beach Pier. <laughs> I feel the breeze. Nice get breeze old. coming in. Never <laughs> but this is the Sandcast, brought to you by Wilson, our favorite ball that we play with, and of course our favorite pod snacks, Chomps. We're the champions. We are the champions. <laughs> and today we have a champion guest. <laughs> The one and only Tyler Hildebrand, who is the, I want to say, head coach of the U.S. national team. What's the official title? Official title at the moment is uh, director of coaching. Yeah, director. I know coaching. Richard uh, said I think my title will be changing. We, we're working on some title changes, and um, at the end of the day, who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's what we're trying to do. And um, but uh, you know, I think some people call me coach, head coach, director of coaching. Uh, I did some presentations at the AVCA and. Uh, Nobody knew what the heck my title was. <laughs> Director of coaching? Like everyone's I'm like trying to get into my, you know, the lecture or whatever, and they're all like, what what does that mean? Like, so could you directing? So we kind of joke around the office because a lot of my day is just straight coaching. Like today it was basically all coaching right. all day. So we kind of joke like, oh, I did a lot of directing today. But uh, the direct, you had your directing hat on. Yeah. But again, it's it's just a title, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I feel like you're in a pretty tricky situation. Yeah. Because I mean, I know you've been a, you're one of the top coaches in the U.S., indoor or beach, mm-hmm. and you came from indoor, you're coaching at um, mm-hmm. Nebraska, mm-hmm. won the national championship. You're mm-hmm. only there for a year, right? Yeah. Obviously, a long resume of coaching before that, but then you're coming out to the beach and you're asked to coach all the teams, or yeah. like, not coach, yeah. direct all the teams, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> to but, but your background is like a coach. You want to yeah. be out there like teaching, learning yeah. volleyball, yeah. and better in the program. Yeah. But I mean, we can get into this. It it's so tricky because uh-huh. you're coaching, you're helping direct or coach whatever you want to call it, like twenty different teams yeah. at once, yeah. who are all essentially playing against each other. Sure. And so you're trying to come in and change the culture so that we can work better together. And it's just like really tricky from my perspective. I'm like, I don't know what Tyler's supposed to do. Here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, tricky is probably a great word. Yeah. Um, you know, but this, you know, I think in 2011, I want to say, um, the USOC uh, had basically created a head coach position. Mm-hmm. They called it a head coach position. Um, and it was a pretty good salary, a lot more than I make. Um, <laughs> and it, it was given to us by the USOC. And I don't know all the details, so I definitely don't want to start any rumors. But <laughs> essentially, that it was shot down. Um I believe mostly by the players, by just whatever it was. Uh, but I think that speaks to the trickiness that we're going through now is that we have this player autonomy. You know, you guys get to make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of value in that. I think everyone at USAV thinks there's a lot of value in that. Uh, we know the dynamics with domestic tours, whether it's AVP, P4040, EVP, whatever else is going to pop up, whatever the case may be. It's, there's the professional life and the, and the, and the uh, you know, playing for your country is simultaneous. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that with the Lakers or with the Patriots or with even indoor volleyball where right. Matt Anderson goes and he does relatively well overseas financially with, right. his, with, with Kazan. And then he comes back and he's playing for the United States. And, and they're completely separate. Right. Um, so there's a lot of di- tricky dynamics to all of that. But, you know, back uh, when I was coaching Jake and Casey last quad, you know, in my mind, me and Sean Scott were talking a lot. I'm like, hey, 
we have this player autonomy system, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Nor, in my opinion, I don't think it needs to change per se. Uh, I think there's value, there's value on both sides. But, um, but this is back in like 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going like, yeah, but like there could be some sort of continuity. Like uh, USAV uh, Beach gives out a lot of money of support. Yeah. You know, there's, um, we're not allowed to talk really about total financial numbers, but it's a very significant amount of money. Yep. If you look at it from 1 through 12 on the men's side, 1 through 12 on the women's side, coaching stipends, affiliate athlete insurance, totally. it's a lot of money that goes out. And, you know, if, if, if there's any way that we can go, hey, here's the support, but can we make that support better by maybe some added value of a full-time person? Right. Like, which is what I am. And most mm-hmm. of our coaches are not full-time. None of them are. They're right. all independent contractor. Right. They don't get enough money, which is the, the problem. <clears throat> but uh, we also don't hire and fire them. So it's right. a very different and unique dynamic. Um, so I always thought back in 2013, 14, Sean I'm like, dude, I think it'd be cool to have a coach or a director or whatever. Right. That can at least assist and help. And not every coach can be all the time. If you can kind of start finding a, a, a way to coordinate the strength coach and the ATC and the sports psych nutritionist and the players and their coaches, someone that's doing full-time can be there. And, that's, right. and, and so we started talking about that a long time ago. And I started kind of developing ideas on it with Sean. And um, I actually talked to a lot of players, Carrie, April, Jake, obviously. I don't know if you and I ever talked, but I talked to a lot of players. I'm like, guys, don't you think that there'd be some benefit to having somebody able to help coordinate some things? Yeah. Um, so that instead of just resources and player autonomy, there's a, there's a better product. Right. Um, so that's the main, main reason I ended up taking this tricky position was that there was a little bit of a vision for it long before mm-hmm. this position came, and I think part of that title was it's a little easier to s- suck on if it's like right. director of coaching. Yeah. First of all, I came as head coach. I mean, it was already hard enough coming in trying yeah. to help people, um, rightfully so. And I think that's one of the reasons that I hope I've been able to connect with the players and the athletes in a, in a decent way is that I didn't come in thinking that that wasn't something to be sensitive about. Like, you have your own things, and you are competing against each other. Yeah. And we're still doing that. And there's no, there's not really been that big of a change. I don't think there ever should be a change there. But anyway, to kind of wrap up that trickiness is mm-hmm. that I was in it. You know, you and my team and your team were yep. competing down to the wire. Yep. And so I know what that is like. And I think, I, I think it's important that we continue to be sensitive to that while finding some creative ways that can, we can do more than just kind of sit back and give resources. Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest things with you coming in. And obviously, you've been a player you're not that far off from when you were a player that you can relate to us yeah. in that way and you're not yeah. coming in like, hey, we're going to change yeah. because I said so. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. And we'd all be like, all right, yeah. well, then we're going to yeah. push the other way. Yeah. You know, whatever. Right. Naturally, right. I think you would. Right. But you're coming in from like, I get it. How can we How can we work through this? Yeah. We don't have to change it all in the first year because That's that right. would be really rough. Like, That's right. We've all done this for years now some of these guys decades mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean there's been a good change of culture already i mean yeah. a lot of people are buying into it yeah and i think it's just like it seems like if we can just go t- five ten percent that's right and just like figure it out every year that's we just right. get a little better and yeah. figure it out yeah that'll be great and i think the whole sport's going in that direction too yeah from domestic tour it's just everything's getting a little better slowly yeah and um yeah, I'm pretty confident in, in what's happening. At first, it scared me, to be sure. honest. I mean, I probably our first conversations. 
Especially the older players. Yeah, you know, for who sure. are sitting there with like, sure. I, mean, I know what I'm doing, thanks. Sure. Like, sure. Try not to come in and change sure. everything for me. Sure. Well, but, on that point, Ry, is that, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people out there. Luckily, I don't have to necessarily deal with some of those people, but right. I'm sure there's opinions of what we're doing or right. what anyone's doing. There's mm-hmm. always a, a, a kind of a polarizing opinion of what USAV is doing. And, you know, I, I live oh, yeah. on the indoor side. I've played on that. You know, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, um, one of the things that I think is important to this topic is that, you know, everyone's always like, well, you know, maybe the older generation, like, well, they're not going to change. And, like, I'm, my opinion on that is, like, why, why should they change? Because they lived in an era when they didn't get much, right. if anything, yeah. from a USAV. And a, a large part of their professional life was was domestic tours and sponsors. Uh, it was significantly more important than, than than the financial benefit they would get from international tour. Right. It, particularly when you add in the lack of travel support, or, mm-hmm. or there's no there was never there was no stipend. So we're talking early, like early two thousands, mid two thousands. Then it started getting a little better. Like some things started happening. Right. But like you take some of these players are still playing. Most of our older athletes. I mean, they played through that whole time. Yeah, and then it was kind of like, oh, they're getting a little travel support. Oh, they're getting a little coaching support, and then just kind of <clears> just adding on. Uh, I don't, I don't think that gives anyone any right to go like what you've worked for your whole life and built your whole life. That doesn't work, and we should try to change them. Right. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I, I really think that it's, it's even more so than like not wanting to change it. It's like well, there, there's no reason to. Right. But the one thing that we are trying to do, which is what you kind of touched on, like this creativity of like five percent. Yeah. Like, can we keep 90% of what you've done and then add 10% over yeah. here that is new right? without polarizing it? Because that's my mission is to be like, look, in the past, you had to do 100% or whatever percentage. And this 10% like took away like 80% of that. Right. And also I was like, whoa, if I give 10% here, it's gone. Right, right, right. So that's kind of our mission right now is to be like, hey, you give up a, like something that's a little bit new to you, but we're going to help you a little bit. And let's see how it goes. Right. And like you're saying, maybe we can get 5% better this year, maybe 5% the next year. And so to me, it's a slow process. And, um, and um, But I also think that we will get farther behind the world. I think NCAA Women is going to help us in terms of just a nice talent pool. But we're going to get behind the world um, in terms of just overall ability to compete at the highest level if we don't start making a couple changes. And that's something you've kind of gone out of your way to study right it's kind of you've actually like done studies (laughs) to figure out what the world is doing versus and and tyler's brought it to the whole national team giving us uh what do you call it conferences whatever chalk talk chalk talks yeah yeah, yeah. about it (laughs) yeah uh but yeah that's like your your main vision right here is like what's the world doing why are they catching up to we just had tim hovland on the show yeah last week and uh and uh he was talking about how it was back in the day. And, like, mm-hmm. we're talking, like, it's like we're not even in the same universe. Right. The way that yeah. things used to be versus how they are today. Right. Um, but that's that's kind of your vision, right? Is like, yeah. you know, the, the world's catching up to us. Hoblin was talking mm-hmm. about it was only the U.S. Like, the sport didn't exist outside. Yeah. It wasn't a problem. Yeah. Like, the, it was a joke outside right. of the U.S. That's right. Now, the, now we look at the past the even olympic medals yeah. other teams are getting a lot more than we are now right, or right. or at least catching up right not a lot more but catching up yes sir um absolutely and that's seems to be like kind of your center focus right now is is reversing that yeah. trend or yeah. whatever keeping yeah. us 
Yeah, there's no the doubt. Top. There's no doubt, Charlie. Um, you know, you're talking about vision. So, I mean, I don't know. This is the same as my coaching vision. But, you know, our vision right now with USA Beach, and this goes into our staff as well. So, you know, we meet, we meet weekly. Mm-hmm. Myself, Phil, Sean Scott, mm-hmm. uh, Christian and Mike now. And then when we get a performance analyst on, right. by the way, is, uh, we're in interviews right now. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll have uh, that going. And, um, you know, we're, we, we meet weekly on how to do this because it's not that easy. We were just talking about Story for the podcast about maybe a little bit of a misinformation happened, yeah, right? yeah. which we don't need to go into. But, and that's just stuff that we need to protect because, because the culture is so sensitive. To yeah. Um, but to speak on your point of like watching the world, stuff like that, I mean, our vision is with our group is to be the best students of our craft and to out train the world. And I know that sounds like a big scoop of like vanilla ice cream, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I mean, dude, you can't open up any excellent, um, you know, team or any excellent podcast or anything without understanding that due to technological age of information, I mean, learning is this massive quality now. Right. Um, before learning was like, who do I learn from and close network? And now the internet is changing to open network and everybody can learn. And so the people that are really excelling right now, we're kind of in the learning or technological age. And, um, you know, I coached as this started to go. So it was kind of easy for me to fall into it. Right. Uh, with all the help of video databases and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I think a guy like Hav, who is one of my great friends, uh, is going to go, hey, stats are for pussies. And, <laughs> and he's right. And I actually, I have like an old heart, an old right, soul. Right, right. I agree. Yeah. I don't like it, you know, yeah. but it's there and everyone's using it. So we got to find what percentage that we need to use right. it. And scouting reports and all this stuff. You know? Right. Um, so, so when you're talking about those chalk tags, so we didn't have this capability. So, you know, when I've probably done it with you as well, with a lot of the athletes that come in, I talk about video, you yeah. know, because in beach volleyball, what I realized when I came out here five years ago, six years ago, was like, whoa, like, we don't, this is weird. Like, indoor, like, we would use video. Like, right, lot. yeah. Like, when you played in college, I'm sure you watched a lot of scouting. Well, right? me and Hayden, like, Hayden obviously was the captain of the team and the leader of the team. Right. So I would do whatever he said. Right. Especially when I first came out, and was like, before a match, like, yeah, we'll go watch a set. Even if right. we have a whole match there, we'll just watch a set. We yeah. just want to get a feel for that. That's right. It's not even really specific. That's right. Just, all right, I got right. it. And he'd be like, That's right. good. I just so, so what's really unique about that was goes to what I was saying with, like, when people come in, they want to learn more of video. Because everyone kind of thinks of me as this, like, oh, he has, you know, he watches a lot of video. He does all this stuff. You're talking about. Everyone kind of, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like to say I try to be successful nerd. I'm going to be doing wrong right now. I'd love to get out of it at some point. But, um, but uh, so, so they come and they ask, and that, that's my point there is, Sometimes we think video, and a lot of people will automatically talk about one part of video. Right. And in college, I would assume at SC, majority of your video was watching opponents. And it was in-depth, maybe watching yourself a little bit. Yeah, we watched ourselves as well. Yeah. I don't remember the ratio, 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 but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was probably heavy on scouting report. Like, imagine you're yeah, watching two for opponents. Sure, for sure. Probably watching an hour and a half, two hours yeah. on each opponent or so. Mm-hmm. Data volley, you know, stats, yeah. right? And then video per week or whatever. Um, so that that's two ways, right? Right. So I always say there's three ways to use video these days. And it's one, to scout your opponents. Mm-hmm. Everybody does that. People do that for a while. 2004, no one was doing it on the right. bench. 2008, I know all those Olympic teams. And I'm pretty sure none of them were using any video on opponents even in 2008. I could be a little bit wrong on that. I'm not sure if Troy Turner was doing Misty and Kieran. But it was rare, if anything. Right. 
Now, that's 2009. I think the world was starting to do it a lot more than we were. 2012, people were starting to watch video on their opponents. Right. And I think as technology got better, they started watching video on themselves. So they did start to watch themselves a little bit, but it was harder, dude. It took like two hours to like upload a video. Right. You didn't have like great laptops and you had to yeah. plug your laptop in. I mean, it was hard back then. Yeah. I mean, we don't remember. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, I was coaching indoor in 2012. That should take like two hours. Right. It took forever to get it. Now it takes like three minutes, two minutes. So anyway, the long story short there is that um, that's the second one is to watch yourself. And now this is a big thing. Oh, I got to watch myself. And right. live feedback, right? You do a rep and then you look at it on like the Apple TV, yeah. whatever. Um, but the one thing that I push, which is to your point of the chalk talks, that um, I've been doing for a long time, I think probably more so than most any coach in the United States, indoor or beach, mm-hmm. is watching the game, watching the world. Um and that's the one that I'm pushing big with our athletes and our coaches. So not just the specific team that you're going to go play against. Right. You know you're going to play. Right. But picking right. teams, the top teams in the world, the top positions. Right. right. And seeing what they're doing as a whole. Yes. And there's so many things to that. There's, wow, we see this on-two pattern that, you know, started in 14 or 15 where there's a wide on-two right. pattern. Or Cantor Losiak running around in trans, yeah. right? Or Lauren Kira doing a bunch of crazy stuff on block and D like you and John did. Like. Right. All of this stuff, we might see some patterns and go, wow, maybe that's something that's useful because mm-hmm. it's working. But even more than that, even the bigger point than just kind of stealing and utilizing stuff, because that's a good benefit, is um, asking the question why. Because in my opinion, the hardest part about Beach Volleyball International right now is that the players get out there, they're on their own. And so you could be a great coach, or you could have great practices, and you could be really competitive, mm-hmm. and you could be tough, and you could be all these things. But in the middle of the game, like, you know, your ex-partner, I think John Hyman, is one, of the, is one of the best in the business at thinking through the game right. and, and playing this chess game. And it, I think there's a lot of great players, particularly in the United States, that are good at it as well. But how do, we, how do we think through the game? Well, if we don't even know why people are making their decisions, like why do you shoot high line? Is it because you got under the ball? Is it because the defender's in the angle? Right. Is it because the, there's a big block? And he's up early, and yeah. you can see him and measure him right. versus doing it against a guy like Jake who delayed on you all the time. And you yeah. weren't sure, so you had to quicken it up. Mm-hmm. So anytime we would, like, let's say we watched, I mean, how many times did we play? 400 times last yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's say we just watched a couple of those matches. You and I could probably think through them. Yeah. We could go through that and just go, like, it would be easy for you to answer to yourself. But let's say it's a, a, t- a you know, pretend you're not yourself. Right. And you would look at yourself. You'd be like, why, why is Trent making that choice? Right. And, and the coolest I'm part of I'm constantly about, watching feeling what Jake's doing. Yeah. Because, you know, he's he's got... You know it's a good defender when they're making... They're on the offense a lot mm-hmm. of the time, you know? And then you're on you're on offense hitting all of a sudden you're, like, waiting for them to make a move. That's like, right. Wait, that's this right. isn't how it should that's be. Right. <laughs> they should be reacting that's off right. of me. So that's it. That, that, you just talked about we could quantify that as timing. Yeah. As a blocker. Right, right, right. And I think, you know, some of the things that we teach we haven't researched enough. Mm-hmm. But I also don't blame coaches that teach certain things. I never say, like, why would you teach this? It's obvious. It's right here. Because mm-hmm. it's obvious for us sometimes because now we have one metrics, which has – there's there's 4,500 matches we can go watch right now. You pull it up on And you can watch each one in 15 minutes. And you can watch super fast. Yeah. But a lot of the coaches that coach for a long time, they didn't have one metrics. They didn't have hard drives. They didn't have any of that stuff. Right. So they're not used to coaching that way. They're used to coaching what works, and they're connecting with the players. And – what they teach does work to an extent, but right. then when you balance what you teach against patterns you see around the world, 
that timing confusion. So when I came out to the beach, I didn't know whether you're supposed to be early or late. I mean, I don't know. I knew <laughs> indoor, like, yeah. fucking penetrating. Like, I didn't know what the yeah. heck I was doing. But, um, but you know, I'm, I'm learning on the fly. And Jake and Casey are just like, well, we kind of like you, but I don't know what the heck you're teaching. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was weird, you know? Yeah. And so for me, the only thing I could do was try to study the world. Right. And that was my way of doing it. And um, so I did that. And I just, I mean, thousands and thousands. I mean, I've watched so much. It's, it's crazy. Um. I'm just like, you, you see something enough times. Right. And if you see it like 20 times, it means nothing. You see it 75 times, it still, to me, doesn't mean much. Right. But when you see that same sequence of events happen 150 times, 1,000 times, yeah. maybe, maybe it, the numbers aren't you know, great, but right. whatever the case may be, you see it 1,000 times, and it's Triborn blocking, it's Giannis Smedens blocking, yeah. it's Alex Rangieri blocking, it's Phil, it's whoever. Mm. And you can see that same sequence happen and work and happen and work and happen and work. It, that it's not like what the country's teaching or what a coach is teaching. It is what's working. Right. And no one's teaching it. The game is demanding it. Especially because the game's evolving. That's right. Another thing we talked That's about right. uh, on the last podcast with Hovland is how the game's changed. I mean, the court changes. The rules have changed almost almost every year. Yeah, they, a little bit of the, yeah. the rules are changing. <clears throat> That's right. So, yeah, I mean, you have to figure out what's working now. Yeah. And, I mean... It's the only way to do it. You have to watch more videos. You gotta study. In the next two years, yeah. You gotta study. And so, you know, you can be a coach like myself who's a volume nerd or whatever and, like, studies all this stuff and then tries I mean to train it. I mean that in it. a good way. Yeah. I'm, actually, no, but, I've been trying to apply myself in that way more. Because yeah. I think that's part of my game that I can add. Because, yeah. like you said, Hayden was the, the brain of the operation. Yeah, right. Now I need to take yeah. that role. Yeah. So, I... I need to be watching more videos for sure. Yeah. Don't hit that skip button, everybody. We're going to be right back here with Sandcast. Just taking a brief second to give a big thanks to our sponsors. First and foremost, goes out to Wilson. Everyone should be stoked that the AVP season is coming up, which means that you need to order up your Wilson volleyballs or any other volleyball equipment you may need. So go to wilsonvolleyball.com to get that. Best news, you can get a discount, Wilson Sand. It's 20% off if you use our Sandcast Wilson discount. So hop on over, get your preseason equipment, get ready for the season coming up at wilsonvolleyball.com and use Wilson Sand for a 20% off discount. This show is also brought to you by our guys at Firefly Recovery. These guys are awesome. Try just went to Doha and was using Firefly Recovery in the hotel room. They've got them in the recovery tents on the FIVB. They're the best things possible because they're super mobile. You can bring them on planes if you're traveling around the world. I'm about to use them when I go to Vienna and Italy for snow volleyball. You can bring them to work if you want. They just stimulate the blood flow in the area that's sore or injured, and it helps it recover way faster and also just feels really good. So if you're sore, if you're or if you just want to stay on top of your recovery, use Firefly Recovery. It's the best thing on the market right now, and it's really cheap too. So give them a try. Go to fireflyrecovery.com. And now for our Pacific Coast Wealth Management Olympic FIVB ranking update. Leading the charge for the men is Russians Vyacheslav Krasilnikov and Oleg Stoyanovsky. At number two, welcome aboard two-time gold medalist winners of Sydney and Doha, Esteban and Marco Grimalt, who are cousins, not brothers. Leading the way for the Americans at the moment, though that's likely to change here soon, is Triborn and Trevor Crabb. And for the women, at number one is Brazilian's Rebecca Cavalcanti, winner of the P1440 Top Guns event, and Ana Patricia Silva. At number two, 
from the U.S. is Emily Day and Betsy Flint, silver medalists in Sydney. Uh, followed at number five is Brooke Sweat and Carrie Walsh Jennings. And at number six is Kelly Clays and Sarah Sponso. More Americans at 11 and 13 with Brittany Howard and Kelly Reeves and Alex Kleiman and April Ross, respectively. So really solid showing in our Pacific Coast Wealth Management Olympic Rankings update from the American women here. And now we're going to let you get back to the show. And that goes to the kind of two-part vision we have, which is we all are students of our craft. I do. Mm-hmm. Sean Scott does. Mm-hmm. How can he handle our situations better? How can he make better policies that help more people? How can he be, you know, we're challenging us all to be this. Um, but an athlete, like you said, I see that a lot. Is like, well, this is the captain or the leader or whatever, the yeah. brain. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, the thing that, you know, I think is valuable, the, the, no one's ever going to, no player's going to catch up to the amount of, hours and stuff I've watched nor should they but if they can catch up a certain degree does that help let's say let's say let's say try you watch just one hour of video a week Mm -hmm. on this studying in the world and it's not about like let's go watch Pedro Salgado's left side approach and like see what I can learn from him it can be that if it wants to be it's more of just like watch a match any good match and, and go like why did that happen why did that happen? Yeah. And the answers are not, tr- like, you don't know the answers. Right. You think the answers. But when we play, that's what we're doing. Right. We're trying to make an educated guess on what's going on. We're trying to read through the play. And does my read, let's say you're, you're kind of learning defense You're like right training now. your reactions. Yeah. With, like, that's your right. subconscious reactions. That's so right. you have to see it a that's right. thousand times that's right. for you to not, to be able to react to it without that's thinking right. through that's right. it. Hardest thing for a new defender to learn is running down a high line. It's not that hard when you're 13 or you're <laughs> yeah. playing on the baby court. Yeah, totally. It's not that hard because they're not that good. Mm-hmm. But like when you, what you're trying to do and what Casey tried to do to go to defense and you're, yeah. you're, and you're splitting with Trevor, but to do that, it's freaking hard to run down a high line. Because when you're a kid, you don't overthink it. That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> when you're in goal, you're trying to ball, figure out get the ball. game. That's right. I'm going to go here. I'm going to fake this way. Okay, but everything changed just now. Yeah. What do I do? Ah. And you're not trying. To, you're not trying to run down Krasilnikov's high line when he's going to bounce on the four foot. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little, a little exactly. Easier but, yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, but yeah. So so things like that. So um, you could sit out there on the beach and try to run down high lines. Let's say that's the goal. Not that that has to be the goal. Let's say you're like, ah, oh, dude. That's to me one of the hardest things. You're sitting the angle. You got someone touching eleven five hitting at you. Run down a high line. Now, right. Taylor Crabb has been doing that his whole career. He's probably more 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 apt to be able to do that at the moment than you are. Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you bridge the gap? How do you become better at that? You have to train it. You have to work on the sand. Yeah. But how about um, the free work? Like it's free right now. Like what we're doing right now, we're talking volley. Right. Maybe some of it ends up helping you play. Hope Maybe so. someone helps me be a better director. I bring all you guys Maybe in here. Travis's lefty hammer just feeds down the line <laughs> and fucking right away. Right? So, like, who knows? We don't know some of this. But what we do know is that we have a lot of hours in the day, and we can't train all the time. Right. And we know that our subconscious is working all the time. So let's say, Chai, you go out there and you can't get a high line all day. I've seen you get lots of high lines, so that's just an example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's say you can't get one, right? And you kind of like, dang, dang, dang. And then the learning stops at that right. point, done with practice. And then you put up a plan of like, I'm going to try harder tomorrow. I'm going to run faster. Mikel's going to kick my ass and I'm going to freaking get faster. Right. All those things are fine and they should happen. 
But the subconscious is going like, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. We, right. It's hard to control that. Mm-hmm. Unless we create, we live in a bubble and we want to protect that, which has some benefits. But <laughs> Or we, then we could go, all right, I'm just going to go watch volleyball. And I'm going to see, I'm going to watch for an hour, hour and a half. And I'm going to watch, I'm going to see like 15 high lines that are gotten. And I don't even have to like go, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, that's right. not what it's about. You're just allowing your yeah. sub conscious right right, to to learn or to recognize patterns that's right to recognize patterns and for your information processing to happen quicker that's what reading is about it's about information processing so let's take the example i just gave because i was talking about a day and then the hindsight Mm -hmm. but let's fast forward a year from now one year from now Mm -hmm. and let's say you go four hours a week not to be crazy just four days a week and you do an hour a day and now we're talking a year in the future where you were like Dang it, I had a hard time getting a high line. And you go and watch a little bit more. Now you have 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 reps to play off of. Maybe you don't have to wait till after to go watch. In your head, in the play, you get one more ball. Or two more balls because something just clicks. Mm -hmm. And so that's this um, kind of like, it's it's like free money. It's like free compounding effects. It doesn't hurt the body. There's almost no poison to the brain. Yeah. Now, uh, last thing I'll say on the videos, or if you guys want to say something, there is a lot of poison sometimes in watching yourself. And I mean that in a good way. Meaning, I mean it in a way that I mean, I'm not saying don't watch yourself. Of course we need to watch ourselves. Right. But you got to be pretty precise and pretty intentful with what you're watching. And you got to make sure it's clear. Right. Because we fall into one of the worst things in sports when we overwatch ourselves, or we have lack of direction at practice, or we're not sure what we're doing, or what our goal is, we call it whack-a-mole coaching. I think John Mayer calls it whack-a-mole coaching. Mm-hmm. So you know the, the game? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah the hammer. And you just wait till it comes up, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't tell you. If, if we were to take 100 of our beach, uh, let's say 50 of our beach athletes right now, and we just said, start watching yourself every day, I, I would bet way more than half of them would just turn it into whack-a-mole watching. Mm-hmm. They would see something, ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, oh, dude, I got to fix that. <laughs> yeah. And then tomorrow they try to fix it, the next day they try to fix it, then forget about it because they watch video again. They would try to fix so something nice. else. Right. And we have, you know, we have a limited ability to train and, and it takes time and skill acquisition is, takes a while. So, but when you're watching the world, it, it, you don't have that same connection. Right. And you don't go like, ooh, I wish Fifi wouldn't do that. I'm it's, gonna the go judge, it's the judgment, right? You judge yeah. yourself. That's right. That's you judge yourself, right. <laughs> and you want to fix too many things. Mm-hmm. Now, under the right circumstance, these are intensive practice. That's why it's important to have intensive practice. We're trying to get better at these few things. Yeah, we can talk about other stuff, but here's our main goals. Then we watch video. Did we achieve those or not? Yeah. And then if we find something, we got to be careful. That's fine. We saw it today, but let's wait till we see it a few more times before mm-hmm. we want to change everything we're doing. Right. And so I think that it's almost a little bit of a backwards um, usage of video where we drive home the scouting report and we might watch three matches. I'm glad, I like that you watched a set. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think unless you know your pool's way ahead of time that you should be watching a ton of video in beach volleyball. Right. <clears throat> because there's a lot of misinformation there because you might watch someone play Ali Sohn or you might watch someone play Phil or you might watch someone play Nikolai. And like that's not gonna necessarily be the same shot turning against you and try Trevor. Exactly. So, um, so then you're like, oh, cool, I'll go find the matches that look like us. You don't it's know what the wind was like that day. Go the wind or the sand surface exactly. or how they were feeling or where they were at mentally. And it, it's just very difficult. So I actually, it, it's backwards though. We go, Sky Report, watch video, watch video. Okay, this is what they do. Right. 
And then we go like, okay, I got to watch myself to get better. And then we don't watch the world. And I, I would like to maybe not flip it in all priority, but I would like to look, there's, there's almost no negatives to watching the world. You're just studying the game. Right. And the compounding effects, it's like um, residual income. Like the more that's in there, the more it compounds. Totally, right? The more yeah. you have in your investment account, yep. that's 6% or 8% or whatever. It's compounding a lot more when you got 2 million versus 20,000. Right. And I feel like that's how that goes with studying the world. If there's no negative to it other than good ideas, thinking through things a little better. Um, and, but there can be some negatives watching yourself, so you got to do it right. Yeah. And then I think people over-scout. They over-try to identify tendencies. They lock into what they see right before a match. And they're not taking all the variables in play where it's like you can almost get rid of all of those downfalls of a heavy sky report by just watching the world every day yeah. and going like, I don't even need that sky report as much as I would. I'm not, I'm going to get labeled as saying you don't need sky report. <laughs> I was, I'm a heavy sky report yeah. guy. But it's, it's in, ta- in, you know, in tandem with, like if we know the game and we know our adjustments and we know how to um, attack certain types of players and stuff, then like, Let's talk about that versus like, hey, watch these three swings. Right, right, right. So, right. Anyway. It's just about building as big of a bank of knowledge in your head as possible. And I think when you do that, you put that kind of work in, it's a relief of pressure from That's your right. head because I can walk into a match and be like, I know it's in there. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. be thinking through this yeah. and try to go access yeah. it. Yes. It's in there. Now it's my job yeah. to just let everything Let's go. Play. Which is what I think I'm best at, is just sure. saying, sure. okay, sure. I did the scouting report. Sure. If the scouting report sank in, it'll work. Yep. If it's not in my head, it won't. Yep. But I'm not going to worry about That's it. That's right. It's it's all gone That's right. at this point. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, that, I go blank. I go blank. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you should go blank, you know, to an extent. Some people are a little bit better. Some people are going to enjoy, um, you know, playing the chess a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. And I'm trying to... Yeah figure out if I can add that part of my game yeah. to it, but I never want to lose my ability yeah. to go play. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think that, that's why I think watching the video and making it a habit becomes so much so beneficial, yeah. particularly to someone like you, mm-hmm. where that stuff just compounds in your head. Exactly. It, 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 it adds value for free. And you just start, like, once you learn a concept, you're like, it starts to, you start to recognize it every time yeah. you see that video. Yeah. And, I mean, normal sports psychology tells you if, Mental reps are the same as physical reps, really. Yeah, that's right. Right? You, yeah. you have to teach your coordination to do yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah. you can, yeah. they're just as valuable if you visualize something. That's right. And someone tried to tell me, like, oh, dude, you're doing this video, you should have, you should have, advise people to do it right before you go to sleep. Because there's all this idea, like, the last thing you did. Right, then, like, like your brain processes. Yeah. You dream more. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's research on that. I'm, I need to get my head off volleyball before I go to sleep. Then, see, that's the other thing. You know, it's all, it's, you know, and, and that's the other thing with video. You know, a couple of teams have asked me to kind of jump in with them and like, hey, I, we don't know how to watch video. We've never watched it. Yeah. And it, you got to be a little careful because you got to make sure you have your time to, to break and uh, and time to get away and let it release. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. You you look at the SEALs, you look at high-performance teams, anyone in the world, these routines, this discipline <coughs> to do all that, 
you know, Jocko Willink, who's um, actually I just met Jocko. I you know love Jocko. Jocko. You met Jocko? I just met him on Friday. Is that the guy that For did, like, did he help indoor? They did like a. No. Uh, they did like that a was Pete Nashjack, who actually works with right? us. Yep. Whoa, when do we get that? Dude, Jocko is great. So Pete works with us, actually. We're oh, trying really? to find a way. Actually, I have a call to Pete. Pete, I'm listening. Some uh, I'm training. trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> um, but uh, we're actually going to see if we can have Pete do some of that cool, like, because he was a SEAL. Yeah. Uh, or I don't, he might still be a SEAL. I don't know. Or, but so uh, one, of the, one of the guys <clears> in Nebraska I met, who's one of John Cook's kind of you know, old advisors and uh, works with the team, you know, great, big, really good golfer, a good friend of mine. He's come to the Ryder Cup the last two years. Oh, nice. But I met him in Nebraska and we became good friends. He's named SEAL. He just retired last year, 20 years SEAL. I mean, making it as a SEAL is one thing. 20, making 20 it years. Is, you know, what people think is like, oh, it's all about Hell Week and then you're a SEAL. Dude, Hell Week is like week Take the five, easy part. <laughs> and then there's like <laughs> five the more weeks part. of like the phase one. Then there's phase two, phase three, and then there's then there's the rest of your career. And then there's your mission. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're like just you're held to. I mean, you're not doing hell week, but you're held to the same freaking standard. Like if you're not crushing it at your job, you just get removed. You might turn into like a lower level thing. Then you go here, and then they just boot you. Dude. Right. I mean, this ain't freaking YMCA. I mean, this is like <laughs> if you're not freaking ready to kill somebody and and kill your shit. Yeah. You're just getting down the chain. So to make a friend make it 20, he's a great guy, a really good friend of mine. There was a there was a SEAL retirement on Friday. And um, you know, he had asked a couple of us, you know, he knew he knows Rich and Jake from the Ryder Cup. He's like, hey man, my buddy's getting retired at, you know, at Coronado, right in Buds. They do it right in Buds. And you know, Jake and Taylor couldn't go because they're going to Sydney. It's a bummer. I'm like, dude, I'm freaking going to that. Yeah. So we sat in Buds, which is right where every Navy SEAL starts. And like Hell Week and all that stuff, it's it, that's where you go to right. report. There's X's on the ground. I mean, it's, I was, it was surreal, dude. I'm like, dude, this is where it all freaking happens. <laughs> I'm like, big. I'm such a mil. I'm such a Navy Seal advocate. I mean, it's like those guys are. Yeah. There's nothing. They're the best in the world. Yeah. And everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot we can learn from them. And so, so I've listened to Jocko's podcast a little bit. I've also listened to both his Joe Rogan podcasts, and I'm like, dude, this guy's like freaking my hero, right? And um, he wrote that book, Extreme Ownership. He also wrote read a book called Warriors, uh, Warrior Kid. You read that's Extreme a, Ownership? That's a, yeah. And, it's a kid's book. And, well, Extreme Ownership isn't, but the War, Where the Warrior, Warrior Kid is yeah. like New York Times bestseller. Yeah. And so it was number two. Dude, it's insane. Yeah. And, and the, guy, the guy is a joke, dude. I mean, wow. it's like you find these people you're like, okay, dude. Yeah. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> I don't know what you've done, but... <laughs> You fuck yes, from, whatever we're doing, let's go. You're from Krypton. Right? Dude, you're from Krypton. That's exactly right. And so, uh, I mean, I've known this guy for, like, no, no, you know, known of him. Him, yeah. And my guy, Jack Riggins, who's the guy I was talking about, he 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 invited me down there. We go. I was a little late, which is ironic to go to a SEAL thing. Really. <laughs> uh, it was a Friday morning in traffic. but So I got there, like, two minutes after. So I didn't get to sit with him. So I'm, like, sitting in this... This random row. And I look up there and it's it's the uh, the guy that got, Jason uh, I forget his last name but the guy that was retiring and there's an MC and then Jocko. I'm like holy shit dude that's fucking Jocko. <laughs> like, this is fucking awesome. Uh-huh. And literally enough, Jocko did the main speech so he did like a 15 20 minute speech. Dude, yeah. I mean I was like I'm around all these military seals I'm like trying not to cry. I mean dude everyone was bawling like not bawling I shouldn't say that everyone had a tear in their eye. I mean like, what he was saying and. The, what those guys sacrifice and, and what they do for their career. This guy, this guy was returns 30 years in the SEALs and the SEAL teams. And uh, it was just um, it was surreal. And then I got to meet him and talk to him for yeah. a while. 
And I mean, that was a pretty cool experience. I got to go to SEAL Team 3's off, uh, headquarters, went out into the obstacle course. I mean, all those things, they sh they, the SEALs showed us around. I was like, this is like bucket list type stuff. And then went out to a dinner with all those guys and had, a, had, a, had a beer, a beer <laughs> with those guys. And it was a, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. But to get to talk to those guys about yeah. the parallels between discipline. So the reason I brought up Jocko was his, one of his, he's got a lot of quotes, but one of his main quotes is discipline equals freedom. Like if you're disciplined, you're free and you can have freedom. And, and I think if we make a, a bad analogy, you know, to, to volleyball, mm -hmm. um, you know, as you guys know it as well as I do, you're in a match, particularly in beach, and you've mm -hmm. got the ball, and you're, you know, you're doing this thing. All right, dude, we're going to, oops. No. <laughs> you're like, dude, we're going to run a four, dude, this way. We're going to win. Yeah, we're going to get, okay, yeah, ready, break. Uh, you, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, and then you don't score, and then the next play, you're like, fuck, what should we do? Like, yeah. And to me, that's not free, because you're thinking, like right. you're talking about. So you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking. And I think that, you know, how you train, how you put yourself in uncomfortable situations like we do in the training group a lot. Right. We know we say it all the time, like, dude, this is not easy. Like, right. it's weird. You're not going to feel better. But, um, and then you watch and you and you put train, you watch and train, you get in those weird things. Like, you don't have to have as many of those. Right, right, right. You know, you can be like, here's the deal, dude. We know we want to attack this guy like this. Let's go freaking get out there, read, and let's be creative and make a play. It's, like, it, it's about training yourself to be able to move in unison with your teammate yep. based on what you're seeing in the moment. That's right. You know? That's right. And, and that's this is a sport where, yeah. I mean, I guess there are some sports where things are just still, like the ball is still. You know the factors. Right. This is a sport where the other team is trained to see what you do and do the opposite. That's right. So you can play their tendency all day, exactly. but the whole point of a beach volleyball player is to be able to be good at every skill. That's Whereas right. maybe indoor is more specialized. More yeah. Right? Totally. Yeah. I say it to everyone. Indoor is tendency oriented and beach is reactive. Exactly. You know, I mean, if you just want a bite-sized chunk, it, like beach That's is That's why reactive. I think I was, like, I did not feel like indoor was ever my sport, really. Yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, I'd yeah. play beach all day with my friends. Yeah. Play, and then I'd go to indoors and I'd be, like, stoked to block. Yeah. Because I felt like good blocking... And I'd be stoked, like, playing middle every once in a while. You know, small stuff here and there, but I was never, like, yeah, yeah. felt like I did yeah. on the beach where I'm, like, I can do every oh, skill. Yeah. And I, I just, like, <laughs> I love this part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Indoor's, like, all right, I got to wait for them to set me. Yeah. Like, come on, I hope he sets me. <laughs> yeah. I hope the ball comes to me. Dude. <laughs> stuff like well, that. Well, so, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I, I felt exactly the same way. I mean, you know, I was supposed to be this great you're, setter. You're a setter, ball. so you always had the ball. Yeah, but... You're uh, the guy that never set me. No. Yeah, but dude, I played... <laughs> I played... It was I Riley played, McKibben. We actually never played together, yeah. I, I, I played, uh, you know, I played five sports in high school. I played every sport growing yeah. up. Uh, I was relatively good at most of them. Yeah. And, and not, like, a volleyball person. Hmm. Um, so I played a lot of positions, a lot of different sports. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I used to say this when I was like, you know, this good setter. Yeah. And you know, and then I, and then even when I wasn't a good setter, you I were was retired. You were the top setter coming out of high school, right? Oh no, actually not weren't? even close. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't start playing until my junior year, so I was like, oh, I yeah. actually I got a good story about Cape uh, Santa Barbara. Well, let's touch on the on that like coming out of college and stuff. I know you yeah. went to national championships yeah. and yeah, well, you were the top setter coming out. I mean, I heard about Tyler Hill yeah. and I just heard about the hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right? Yeah. Maybe Jesus. Well, that was as funny as like, everyone, <laughs> everyone thought I was this great setter. Yeah. I mean, I obviously thought I was pretty good too. Right. Um, but I turned down uh, playing the World League roster with you. 
So wow. Hugh McCutcheon was the coach. It was 2006. Mm-hmm. He was calling me in like February, March, whatever. And I mean, I, me and Hugh have a good relationship. And I've talked to him about this. I'm like, he's like, hey, dude, it, you know, we're coaches now, whatever, friends. He's like, you have any regrets? I'm like, yes, I wish I would have gone. Like, <laughs> and you get a call when you're a senior in high school. You oh, don't yeah. get a call or senior college. You don't get a call from the national team coach to be on the preliminary world league roster. And he was pumping me up. He was saying, you know, hey, you know, Lloyd's done. We're in a little bit of a shift, but, you know, I see you being an Olympic center for the next couple quads, mm-hmm. our starter. And I think at the time, that was kind of the pull. I mean, people thought I was good. I could yeah. do some things. Um, I knew I had some limited, you know, longevity with my knees. Uh, but to your point, right, I mean, that's people just thought it was blasphemy when I would say this shit, but I hated setting. I hated it. <laughs> I loved competing, right. and I loved playing with my team, mm-hmm. and I loved being the best at what I did, because in college, I was the best setter. Right. I loved um, being the best, being on one of the best teams, competing with my guys, and just getting after. I, yeah. that was, I never didn't like that, right. but I hated the position, I hated it. I, it, was, it was my least favorite position in every sport I've ever played. I'd rather be a freaking center in basketball alignment in football and everything yeah. like that but it just was like <laughs> you know I hated it and yeah. um, you don't get to pass or hit it was terrible <laughs> I freaking hated it yeah. and everyone's like oh you're the quarterback you're not the freaking quarterback dude running around I, I think it makes me a great setting coach or a good setting coach because I know the struggles yeah. I know the position really well um, but I literally that's literally what I told you I was like dude I honestly just am tired of setting <laughs> <laughs> I want to go hit and play in the sand. Because I, I actually played sand a little bit before I played indoor when I first started the game. Because uh-huh. my high school coach was from Cali, and she took me out, and we played sand. We called sand in Arizona. Wow. And so I fell in love with sand or beach way before indoor. And um, I, I just I love beach. And that's one of the reasons I'm sitting here instead wow. of probably now a head coach at Head coach at, I don't know, totally. some Power 5 school now because that's, you know, that was a, an opportunity I probably would have had being in Nebraska. So, as I love the game of beach, uh, I thought there was all these challenges that's tricky. Mm. The job came out. You know, the job this job came out the night before the national championship game. And we were in the national championship game. They, <laughs> yeah. they didn't want to wait to put that on you? Well, they well, told well the you thing about was it. is that, like, you know, I wasn't, it came out. I'm like, there's no way I can take this job. We're in the national championship game. Yeah. I was making significantly right. more than I'm making. I mean, so <laughs> living in and living the in cost. Nebraska, we don't need to get in the numbers. It's not <laughs> my favorite part of my life right now. But but no, USB is taking care of me well. But it's just different. It's not yeah. the same. Right. You know, apples to apples. Just but, think mornings on the beach in California. That's right. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> that's your salary. Like, yeah. That's your job. <laughs> yeah, the sun, we call them sun tax, but there hasn't been that much sun lately. It's yeah, lately terrible. it's been brutal. But yeah, so. Um, you know, that, I had the same kind of thoughts you did. You yeah. know? And, I, and I was, I'm an okay hitter. And you I, got put I, in I that put, indoor pipeline probably, and it was um, probably hard for you as a young athlete to yeah. like get outside of it. Yeah. Whereas for me, I feel like my friends are always like, Trez like dominate when we go to the beach, yeah. but he's just, and, you know, he's good. I was good. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever, second team all Champs conference. And Kurosawa, yeah, yeah Kurosawa. No, yeah. I didn't win the championship. Yeah. Not like you guys. Yeah. Um, how gnarly were those matches dude between oh, Manito so and cool. Corazon so cool insane that's when we were in Puerto Rico by the way yeah, people. yeah. we played on the same uh, my first time playing professionally indoors was with KC Patterson in yeah. Corazon yeah 
which is a team that you played with. Didn't you play with Kesa? I played uh, Naranjito. Oh, you played in Naranjito, yeah. yeah. The, the rival. They're called uh, Duele de Montaña, which is like Duel in the Mountains. Right. And, uh, Literally that... Naranjito is just like in the middle of the forest. That's right. Coruscant's... Coruscant too, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, Naranjito, they've won 27 championships. It's like they had yeah. more championships than the Yankees. I mean, yeah. sorry, I mean, it's a different deal, but um, the history there was cool. And that rivalry, you know, we played uh, that year when we won, we played Coruscant in the semifinals. McKenzie was on there too. Dave McKenzie. It yeah. was me, Robert Tarr, and Steve Klosterman. It was like a, it was like a little like Puerto Rico crew, you know, yeah. like the the U.S. guys that go over there. It's right. like this little like yeah, posse. Or, I don't know. Yeah. You know and you're all in San like, Juan. We're just gonna cruise in Puerto Rico. Yeah. It's like so much different than going to yeah. Europe. And, and you're young, and you may have a you may play some craps or have a beverage every <laughs> once in a while. It was it was yeah it was. It was cool. They don't make you practice. It, that was amazing. Dude, I surfed. <laughs> I surfed. I literally showed up, and this is me like. Triborn out of college yeah. from Hawaii, like, I don't yeah. know, and yeah. never had a job. Yeah. And they put me in my apartment, I go there, and I'm like, what? This is it? Okay, yeah. it's ghetto yeah. in the jungle, basically, yeah. but on the beach. Yeah. I go and walk out the front gate, and it's just like a big beach. Yeah. Like, private beach. No one's Where around did you live? anywhere. Vega Baja. Vega Baja. Yeah. I live in Tola Baja, which is right, like right down there. there. Yeah. And I was just like literally walking down the beach, like smiling, like like <laughs> FaceTiming people back home. Oh look, they gave me an apartment <laughs> and a beach, and they told me to show up at six tonight. Like, I'm going to the surf shop. I'm gonna go buy a surfboard. Did you fall into like wake up at sun? I mean, I'm not talking about like going out of there. I'm talking like me, Clashman, and Tar. Like we would just stay up. Because you didn't wake up. Yeah, There's yeah. no reason to get up. No, so we go to the... Your day's go, longer if you yeah. wake up early. So we would go to like Gold's Gym, you know, at yeah, like yeah, three. Yeah. So we'd wake up at like 2 p.m. That would be the <laughs> team gym. Yeah, that would be the team we'd gym. We'd have a team gym. Yeah. And, and there's a sign-up sheet like for our specific team. Yeah. It'd just be my name, my name, yeah. my name. Like, all right, I'll just sign under my name again every day. No one no one lifted. It was all about taking Eno Explode. Oh, yeah. Lifting a little bit, <laughs> sit in the sun, go to practice, not doing anything. Going home, playing video beach games, it. chill on beach, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that was like the life. I was, literally asked cool. my coaches to practice a few times. Yeah. I was like, can you guys come in and just like serve me balls? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you want. Like, yeah. I thought I was supposed to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is it? <laughs> I forget what they call the Spanish, but they call it the refugees. Is the, is the, we were called refugees, and I forget the translation. Um, all the people oh. that think I know Spanish would be disappointed. But Cheeky bird. Cheeky Bird. I played with Cheeky. Yeah. Who well, was really good friends with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we uh, we played together my second year in Naranjito, and then we actually went over to Israel and played together. Mm-hmm. So we went straight from Naranjito to Israel. We had the same agent. Yeah. And, I mean, I spent... That guy's my brother. I mean, he was at my wedding. And, yep. Um, that guy's a cool dude. So, really cool. He took care of me. He got he hit. Me his, his family's home got hit pretty hard with those hurricanes. They oh, had, really? like, a... There was this huge, uh, like slide or whatever this big stone slide i stayed at his mom's house yeah so i, I stayed at his parents house a bunch too yeah his dad has like eight million books oh yeah yeah, yeah. and like that's uh, the one that thing sounds I like a guy yeah. yeah. well, because dude, i remember like, like do you like read all these million. it's insane i've never seen it. i mean it looks like out of a movie from like beauty and the beast yeah. it's like, <laughs> like the, the thing you get on the ladder like but yeah it, there was a stone slide like water slide from the pool and this thing had to weigh ton or two I mean yeah. I had to weigh thousands of pounds it yeah. freaking massive and Cheeky showed me the picture it flew over the freaking 
fence and like landed in his backyard. I mean that it was crazy. Jesus. And it was I, you know I had checked him with work. him a couple times and it took him about five or six days for that self service and finally we got on the phone together. But he said it was gnarly. He yeah. said in three or four months after that were gnarly too. So anyway, yeah, dude, it's insane. So. I don't know how we yeah. got on that tangent. I knew yeah. there was something going on before, but I was enjoying I like it. it. <laughs> yeah. Puerto Rico got so worked. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, well, you know, I think we were talking about just the love of beach and how you know we had some interviews oh, yeah, yeah. at the beach and um, I, you know, I, I didn't know that. Enough to cut it indoor. Yeah, I wasn't gonna have to cut out the beach. Well, it's way, but <laughs> it seems like we naturally like you know. I, I like to think that, and I didn't have nearly the success you had indoors. Yeah, but I like to think that I. Just seeing like the athlete that I became on the beach yeah. and where I've gone, I like to think that I could have made it done. indoors, you know, yeah. like cut out my role, out. you know, find yeah. my role, yeah. not being the big guy. I always kind of had to make myself the utility guy, yeah. kind of like how like a lotman was on the national, yeah. right? He had to, yeah. even if you're on the bench, yeah, you know, there's exactly. a role for everyone. Yeah. But um, yeah, beach is where it's at. I didn't know that that you had such like a. You know, there had to be something pulling you to the beach, but yeah. I, I always, your public yeah. persona or your public, whatever, yeah, right. vision of you was always indoor, Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. for me. And yeah. that was the point originally, I think, was that it must have been kind of hard when you're younger yeah. to be put in that, uh, you know, other people think that you should go yeah. this way. You're the good setter. You, yeah. You're a good indoor player. Yeah. Go play national team yeah. and all that rather yeah. than you like having this little thing in your head. Yeah. Like, but I like beach. Yeah, you know, yeah, playing yeah. more. It's yeah. cool that you actually listened to it and yeah. like ended up here. Not that you got to play as much as you like to. And physically, it was so much better. I mean, it, you know, with my knees, was, yeah. you know, I've had eight surgeries, four on each, and so holy cow, yeah, that's um, it was so much better. You know, I had to retire from when I was twenty six. So, um, Dang. but I mean, I knew when I was a young kid, I was going to have your knee replacements so was a genetic thing, and so, um, uh, you know. I think if I had good knees, I probably would have played basketball. But if I had good <laughs> knees, um, I probably would have just stuck with indoor because I think, I think, you know, I mean, in my mind, I think I was ready to try to try to go be, you know, the best setter in the world. Yeah. Um, to go play in the Olympics. And, yeah. You know, I knew I was never going to play the Olympics in beach. I, I just knew it. Had a good time with it for two or three years, you know. Mm-hmm. And Sean Scott and I have only played one match against each other. <laughs> I won. You beat Sean? Yeah. I mean... That's pretty big. Well, I mean, beat is, you know, technically <coughs> one, but... Was it so, a forfeit? No. <laughs> so, I, you, know, you, you were playing then, but um, I might get this wrong. Sean Scott was playing with Dax Holdren, I believe. Mm-hmm. And George Orlando was playing with Eric from Iowa. And it might have been the other way around. But whatever, right? Big guy, small guy. Right. And that was around the time that, like, Furby and Sean Scott played together. And, like, there was this idea. The big, that big. That we big, big. Right. Uh, which is not that bad of an idea. I still think we're going to see well, a Well, nowadays, it's, it's, it's evolved to that. Yeah, you know, Robbie, so. and, Robbie and Alex is a good example of that. I mean, Evandro and whatever. Andre, plays. Like, yeah. I think that they're, yeah, shit. I mean, good thing they're not. I mean, I'm happy they're not playing together. They were dominating. <laughs> and now neither one of them was doing anything. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to stay to be the case. But... <laughs> Uh, Evandro's playing with uh, Bruno. Bruno, right? yeah. So, yep. so uh, that was around that time. And so me and Ty Tramley, it's our first year on tour. And we we're groveling. With I people. love that uh, team. <laughs> a lot of people loved it. And, like, you know, we're just like, we suck, dude. I, I <laughs> and, and, you know, some of this stuff that I'm talking about video, like, is a little bit 20, hindsight's 2020. And, like, 
I didn't know anything. Like, I literally didn't know anything. I had no idea how to run a five or a four. Or right. I was blocking, dude. I'm literally just, like, jumping and, like, just trying to put my hands towards it. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I had no idea about faking or leverage or delaying or... I just didn't know. Yeah. And I just wish that's out there. I wish that the next... Hildebrand Trampling team with all heart and no skill <laughs> has at least the ability to learn this stuff. Right. So that's kind of one of the messages we want to do with spreading the chalk talks. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so we played uh, Sean. So, so we ended up playing Dax and Fenoy in the first round, which for us at the time, and Fenoy was at practice today actually, I had some words with me and I said, but for us that was a good draw because we couldn't hit it by a big block. So like, we didn't know how to. We just, like, hit harder. Like, that was, like, the tough thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, if you know Ty, you know that... Ty's been coming get, back out. He we was great. Yeah. Yeah. We would get stuffed and, and like, well, dude, like, what should I do? I'm like, I don't know. Let's fucking keep swinging. Like, <laughs> we didn't know, you know? We didn't know about slime. So we saw Eric and Dax. We're like, dude, this is like, maybe we can win, you know? Because we've been getting crushed. And, uh, and we ended up beating them 15-13 in the third. So then we got to the second round of winners in New York. And we played Sean and George, which is crazy because it was like they had just, it was their first tournament they had switched. Yeah, right. And, um, and then we're going like, oh, maybe we have a chance here because we'll just like shoot. They can't play defense. <laughs> Dude, Romain was blocking and Sean was playing D. So I think we lost the first set 21-6. We got crushed. And um, what was crazy was that like that didn't phase us back then. Like we tied. just. Yeah. It doesn't phase Ty. Yeah. So I was pissed at him probably because he couldn't fucking set out. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, but then, then we won the second set. Like, I don't remember how we did it, but we won. So we're going third, and we're just happy to be in the third right. set. Like we, and um, it's three all, and Ty Tramley goes low line on Roman and kills the ball for 4-3. So we're like, ah. <laughs> And then, like, usually we're the loudest ones on the court. Yeah. We're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing this hysterical yelling from George. And George starts running around like a like Godzilla, you know? Like, yeah. he looks like Godzilla. He's <laughs> massive human being. Yeah. He is sprinting around the court screaming and taking the banners and, like, throwing them. And we don't know what's going on. And I think he's going to, like, come through the net and kill us. Because I'm like, <laughs> I had the flight going on. Okay? Yeah. The f- flight or flight. I was like, flight, flight, give me the heck For sure flight right now. And, and, um, and the first word out of Ty's mouth is he comes in and he goes, like, please forfeit, please forfeit. <laughs> and, like, that's why I love that guy more than that's the first thought. Like I'm ready to like protect Ty and get out of there. You're like, you're like thinking, you know, should we forfeit so that George is yeah, mad at us? That's right. <laughs> and he just wants to win. And he wants it however it'll come. And you know, George ended up uh, compound dislocating his pinky, there's blood everywhere. They tried to pop it back. Oh, I've heard he that. He fainted while they were trying to pop it back. <laughs> and she was our we have a med provider. I, I forget who the med provider. Did you hit the ball? No, Tramley hit it. Tramley hit the ball low line on George's left pinky. And we have oh. a med provider that still works with us today, like on international trips, yeah. that came there to like have gauze or something. Well, yeah. someone else was working on it. He's got <laughs> some, you know the little tents or whatever? You get yeah. those like little banners? So George is like either sitting or standing. I don't remember exactly, but you know, someone's trying to pop it back in. I heard and it this, was like... Fully sticking. The <laughs> all the way out. All the way. Gone. All the way. The, the, this part was over here. It, this is sticking out. Of the, it was gnarly. Yeah. And um, I remember looking, at, you know, watching this. And George, I think, was like crouching. So he was kind of standing up. 
And the guy's doing it. And this guy, I forget who it is, but he's <laughs> one of our mentors. He's standing right here outside of the little box. Oh, yeah. And George faints. <laughs> and just takes him out of here. And just body, side body slams his guy. <laughs> I'll catch you. Swerving underneath them, dude. George, George faints and goes to the hospital. He didn't want to forfeit. Sean's like, dude, forfeit. Yeah. And uh, we ended up getting the forfeit. Um, and going <laughs> wow. on, and that was one of our better finishes. And, uh, so that's not really a win, but... <laughs> Um, but we'll take it. It's in the wind column. Wow, so. that's pretty awesome. Trembly KOing Georgia Romain. That's right, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a low line, not like a hat, like angle chizzy. high hand oh, yeah. rip or just yeah. like a chizzy. Yeah, and the biggest guy in the world. Biggest guy in the world. Snaps. Smallest guy. So you know we used to walk up to uh, tents, uh, you know, sign in players yeah, tent yeah, yeah. the players yeah. area, and I I would sign in. And they'd be like, well, you know, what are you? He's like, oh, I'm a player. And they wouldn't believe him. <laughs> That's awesome. They wouldn't believe him because he's small or whatever. And he yeah. kind of looks grungy. And they're like, no, seriously, what are you? I'm like, dude, that's my partner. They're like, no. He's like, no, no, we weren't. Yeah. That's so. like Adrian uh, Carambolo yeah. when we're on the world tour. Yeah. Uh, someone called him. <laughs> the asked him right? They asked him if he was a physio. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we called him physio for the rest of the oh, year. I like hey, that. need a little uh, massage. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, yeah that guy's got a good Dude, story. I had a, my, one of my first tournaments, I came out with Jeff Carlson, and we played um, Cuervo in Belmar, New Jersey. And uh, we drew the one seed, who was Hayden and Scott. But uh, Sean Scott, had a, his back was hurt, so oh. Hayden flew over with Evie, oh. and they were just winging it. Oh, so and me and Carlson... Took down Evie and Hayden, <laughs> <laughs> serving every 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 ball who was like pretty much retired. Yeah, and I've only played Hayden once, so I won it all against him oh, this whole awesome. time I played with him. Well, dude, you'll play him this year. This year, yeah, yeah probably. We, we trained fun. against him the other day. I was like, wow, this yeah. is the first time I played against him. Yeah, that's right. And now I'm on beach too. I'm like, damn it, I'd rather be at the net when I have to play Hayden for the first time. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I'm talking about chasing down high lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, so one of the things I was going to talk about about the, you know, the chalk talks and some yeah, of that yeah, stuff yeah. that I think, um, you know, it's going to take some time to understand some of this, uh, whether it be as a country or whether it be as a program or even individually. I think one of the things we want to do with these chalk talks and what we're studying, and for the people that are listening, you know, we're trying to study a skill. We're trying to make it objective. There's some bias in it because, you know, I'm the one doing the charting. Um, and to that point of beach volleyball, there's so much, it's so much easier to statistically record indoor because you don't have wind and sun and different, and it's not as reactive. So we're trying, so it's a lot harder, in my opinion, on the beach to find like relevant data. It's a lot, it's, it's much more difficult. So, so for me, the reason we're trying to do some of the stuff that, you know, I hope is beneficial to the program, but also, you know, a broader picture, we start, we start learning to watch this way, is we're trying to study how to train, really, in essence. And what we're trying to do is let's look at blocking and let's look at everything that all the moves that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Not like only what's working or not. Of course, in that study that you were in, like, we were grading some things and we were trying to show that these are happening more than these. Right. Um, but the, the, the point of that stuff is that we're trying to, um, I think what happens in, in any type of difference of opinion, particularly in coaching, and exacerbated in beach coaching, 
I don't know if it's because of the kind of unique new nature of coaching or the lack of technology or the fact you go to an NFL room, you know, I mean, every athlete in that room has studied film their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely not the case for us. Um, there's this, there's a little bit of a culture of like, I've learned this and my, I have the guru and, and whatever the case may be. And I've needed to do that because of the system. So what we're trying to do with that and trying to help everyone with is like, hey, it's all out there. You don't have to do anything we're saying. We're not trying to say this is the right way or this is the wrong way. We're just saying like, and if you didn't know this, this is what's going on. Right. right? And therefore, if you're training one thing or two things and you found out like five things that we found that's happening a lot, then you don't train those things. You haven't used those things yet. Maybe you want to look at using one or two of them. Um, and then, you know, does it work out for your team? You know, you guys are a lot different than Phil and Nick. How you score, generate points on blocking defense is going to be a lot different than Phil and Nick. Right. And every team you could say is different, but you mm-hmm. guys would be very different. In right. Head. So maybe when you watch Nikolai block, you're going like, well, maybe I don't do Nikolai's move. And you right. and I have talked about this a lot. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on that again in terms of like, another thing we're trying to do at USA is just that there's a fear that, you know, hey, this is the USA way or whatever. And right. I, do, I don't think it needs to be that way. It can be like, here's what's happening. And how do we train it? And how do we get better at it? Right. And, and, um, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do with those jock talks. I'm yeah. wondering, what are um, some trends that you're seeing in the world today? Yeah. Like, you, you mentioned a few in passing that, yeah. like, Cantor and Lewis are like, running around everywhere yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are doing that. Yeah. But what are some other things that you've noticed yeah. Um, yeah. For that the world is doing that's working? Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, so, this is my life every day. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm just taking all this like, in. You're, like, speaking out, to my man. inner nerd right here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one of the big things is everybody has an on-two pattern. Women and men. And it's glaring when you don't. And there's definitely teams that do not. And, and everybody wants to discuss the big difference between women and men. Well, uh, there, whether people believe that or not, there, there, is, there isn't in a lot of the ways that we want to look at the game. There absolutely is in some maybe feedback loop responses, maybe team dynamics, maybe learning differences of how you want to go about training, maybe physicality and certain things, all of that stuff, there's there's definite differences. And we need to be cautious of how we treat women and men. The reason I'm going to that is because you asked about yeah. the world, because to me, right. the world is both. So what I find is, what can I find that's the same? Yeah. If women are doing it, and men are doing it, and everybody's doing it, then like, there's something you there. You can say whatever the fuck you want about it. Yeah. But it's happening and it's working. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's happening and it's working. You can't disagree with that. Um, and so that's, I think, what you're teeing up, is that, that's what we're looking for, and that's what I push. And one of those things is everyone has an on-two pattern. When you don't, right. it's glaring. Um, a second one would be that people are creating more space than they used to, whether that be to a pin and giving more kind of trajectory sets versus up and down, whether that be running different routes, uh, or whether it be particularly more so on the guy's side, there is a little bit of a difference, uh, just getting a bigger approach. Um, I think there was an old school idea that worked back in the day. Probably Hovland did this. Uh, actually, not probably. I've studied Hovland, and he did do this, and so did Mike, and so did Sinjin, and so did Karch. That the beach was sand. It wasn't indoors. So we're going to shorten our approach. Yeah. We're going to get a set up and down, and we are going to jump straight up and not broad jump. And all of those rules still apply to an extent. Uh, but a lot of things have changed. It's not just America anymore. We don't play on beaches that much. We almost rarely, we almost never play on beaches. Yeah. 
Um, that's something truck- people probably don't realize. That's right. And we, yeah. get, and we get trucked in sand, and it's very shallow most of the time. And um, we have massive blockers, particularly on the men's side. But on the women's side, they're a lot bigger, too. And it's getting bigger, too. Like, the college game, there's, like, six, six, four blockers right. I saw in one match. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like, there's, there's seven seven-footers on the men's tour right now. <laughs> and so if you look at taking a ten pass, get your short approach because it's sand, and take a set four, you know, straight up and down near the net so you can kill it, there's a big difference between, you know, Tim or Randy or these guys size-wise, not skill-wise, right. but size-wise, than Stoyanovsky or Nikolai. Obviously, Phil changed the game, I think, in his size. Uh, they're so much bigger. I've talked to Phil, though, and he's like, when I first came out, it was, I was the biggest guy in the world, yeah. Yeah. except for Ricardo. Right. And Ricardo, before him, was like a freak, you know, the biggest yeah. guy ever. Now he's like average. Yeah. Phil Dahlhauser is... Pretty much, I mean, yeah, he's about a little bit above average. He's above average, and he's more skilled than most of the big guys. He's touching really high. I think yeah, he's more skilled he's than, than, than all the all the big blockers. Yeah, yeah. but a, a but now it's right. like I'm very undersized. Yeah, I'm yeah. like what, like probably top bottom twenty percent. Yeah, yeah, size wise. Whereas in like Stoklos and Hobbs days, like you'd have been yeah. big, really big. And in my mind, I feel like it's you know we're talking about like the instinctual playing mm-hmm. styles. Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of old school, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just go out there and ball. Forget video, forget yeah. Yeah. everything. Yeah. Let's just go mano a mano. Yeah. Who's better at volleyball? Yeah. I yeah. like my odds. Yeah. In, oh, in that setting. Definitely. But I don't think the game is That's built right. for that That's specifically. Right. So That's we right. have to figure out ways to get, yeah. you know, move it into our advantage. That's you know, right. Since it's not really built for anyone's specific or some people's right. specific skill sets. Now, if you take that and you go to football or basketball or MMA mm-hmm. or, I mean, you can go down the list. Yeah. Navy SEALs. Oh, let's right. just get out there and, like, use our instincts on the battlefield. Right. <laughs> you know, when sport progresses, money progresses, technology progresses, it's going to demand more and, and every percent matters. And so uh, the guys back in the day who have paved the way for all of us to enjoy this game created a product that everybody loved. I mean, we, we owe everything to that generation. Mm-hmm. And even the men, the mingles, I mean, even the people before that, I mean, yeah. we owe so much to everything they've done. And I mean, I'm such an old soul. I mean, I love all those guys that I know well, and I love talking to them and, um, and they're right. They are right in how they did it. They're totally right, mm. but they didn't have volumetrics and those things. So why would they get into that stuff? Right. And I think they're right in being cautious about it too. And you got to do it the right way, like you're saying. So um, but, you know, you got to get all those percentages now. And But to your point on, like, one of those trends, I mean, that uh, spacing. Yeah. And if you look at it and you got a seven-footer in front of you that's touching 11-10 on his block, <laughs> and you take a short approach and you're a little bit off the net, you don't have anywhere to hit the ball except a shot. Yeah. And now you have a smaller court and you have a bigger, Lightning. faster, stronger yeah. defender back there yeah. who has been playing against bigger, faster, stronger people his whole career. Um, you got to imagine the reads. I mean, we all, like... If you look at, like, like there's almost a disadvantage to some of those guys that played back in the day because they'd only get, you know, six, eight good teams against them. They'd play those quality. Remember the days when it was 64, you'd play these guys and be like 15-0, 15-1. Yeah. That is not the case on the World Tour anymore. No. Everybody can beat everybody. There's 30 teams that can win on the men's side. There's probably 20 teams that can win on the women's side. And you're not just playing against a good team. You're playing against a gnarly, gnarly athlete. You don't really and look re- at like a, a draw, like my pool. You're like, that's a good pool mm-hmm. on the world tour. 
It's like it all of them are the pool of like, death. Damn it! I drew that. <laughs> I drew that seventeen <laughs> seed. That's the one we didn't want. <laughs> like, legit, like there's twenty seeds winning. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Alvaro and Simone, and I think twenty fifteen Fort Lauderdale came out of the country quota, won qualifier, got out. Main draw all the way through and then one. Yeah, from the country so, quota. Someone in the country of a major. Fifteen out of the qualifier. In uh, Rio, right? In Rio, yeah. Exactly. My first grand slam, we won uh, out of the qualifier, Berlin. Berlin. Were you in the quality? I don't think so. We were. You were in the quality. We were in the quality, and really? then we went, and then the few days later, so we won on back Sunday. In it. We had to go to Norway back in the quality. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, and so. Anyway, the point of all that is that, like, the game has changed in terms of physicality and court size and, and things. And there's, you know, I think there's a good argument to some of the skills aren't what they used to be as well. And so the game evolves. And I think that in my stance on all that stuff with the evolution is, like, we owe everything to that, to the, to the players before us. And, um, you know, particularly in our sport, because they did more than just play. They did this. They created this product. Right, yeah. And we need to learn from that. They we, were entertainers. They were entertainers. That's and something need, that Hob brought we, up. We need to be better at that, and I think we need to learn from that. I think we need to learn from their mental toughness. I think we're not as mentally tough as they were. I don't think we're as skilled in a lot of ways as they were. I think, I don't think we're. I think there's a lot of things we should learn from them. Um, so yeah. I feel like we need to pay homage to both sides. But the realities are such that we can't take a short approach anymore. Um, you know, and I get some resistance on this. Not particularly. Um, in all areas, but on the men's side, I don't get a lot of resistance from it. On the women's side, I do a little bit. And I think that's okay. I think there's some validity to the, to the length of approach on the women's side. But whether they take a big approach or not on the women's side, what we see as a trend is they're creating space due to this big blocker. So this big blocker is right here. You got to move them, or you got to be, you know, give yourself a big enough runway to be able to deal with better sets, right. or to, to deal with worse sets, um, and not be so close to the net all the time, where the case may be. So that's a big trend. On block and D, we see some trends that are absolutes. These are not, this is not my opinion. And again, that's why we do these studies. Um, and we need to study the game. You know, there's, whether you want to create space or not or move around, I think that's opinion. Height of the set, I think that's opinion. What works for you? But whether or not blockers are jumping later than the attacker is not opinion. It's happening. It's happening at over 75% of every single block in every single match internationally they're jumping slightly later than the hitter. So that that goes back to, like, it's not about right or wrong. Why are they doing that? And that's the question you need to answer. And why are they doing it? I mean, I believe it's because if they're too early, people, hitters see them and they chip around, them, like you were talking about with Jake. But it doesn't matter whether everyone believes that or not. Find your own reason. But it's happening. And it's, all, it's 75% or more. And that's just fact. Um, so that's something we're doing is we find the blockers are being later. Maybe they're trying to hide and create deception. Mm -hmm. um, we're finding that defenders are not just starting in one spot. They're starting in the center. They're faking a little bit more than they used to. They're starting on the line. They're hiding behind their blocker. Now, not every time, you know. It's more of like, again, maybe a 60% of the time they're neutral, 70%. Um, but a big trend we're finding is the two most dominant teams – um, in my opinion, in the last, if you take Alison and Bruno because they're no longer good, are Christian and Andy, um, Moe and Sorum, and Laura and Kira. And they're not together anymore, but, you know, they basically dominated the game, block and defense-wise, both of them have in recent memory. And both of those teams are doing something different all of the time. 
There, Andy's calling line and blocking five feet outside his body angle. Straight horizontal. horizontal. It's insane. You never know where he's going to be. Uh, we have a lot of block, a lot of coaches and a lot of players that go like, you always need to line up on the ball like every time. And I'm like, I think that's a great base. Like, yeah. I, I would never say like, don't tell someone to do that. I think that's great, particularly at the younger age. Let's let's get used to lining up early on the ball. Right. I think it's a great base. Um, go watch Andy play for a couple of matches. He's freaking never on the ball. He's He's squatting like four feet away from the ball and then reaching and then <laughs> jumping insane. in the air. Now, he has some physical gifts that a 14-year-old doesn't or maybe that other people don't. So then take that in consideration. Nobody does. But don't like blacklist the idea and be like, yeah. we can never do that. Like right. take it in consideration and think about how it would work for you or not. Um, but let's look at the theory behind what they're doing. You never know where Andy's going to be. You can't predict where he's going to be because he's reaching everywhere. So that's a trend. More blocks are happening when you're blocking the ball outside your body. In fact, what we found was... 15% of the blocks, all the blocks that are happening um, on the world tour in the sample size we took, which was all of the top, all of the final quarters, semis, finals, and bronze, which it's like, well, we all want to play in those matches, right? So what was happening, uh, 15% of all the blocks happening were straight across the net in their line. Uh, 85% of the blocks were happening in some other way, whether it's a one-arm drop or a two-arm drop or a delay swat or a V-block. I mean, 85% are happening somewhere else. So in my opinion, it's like, okay, well, let's just at least think about that. Why is that the case? So that's the big one on blocking. Defense the same way. Um, in terms of, uh, I think it was somewhere around 40 or 45% of the moves are non-traditional neutral moves. And I think we're behind in America. If I look at the broad country, if I look at A1, A2, all the way across the board, particularly how we train it, the younger levels, um, that's one of the goals of mine is to be like, I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to make you aware of what's happening. Right. Because if you're training at a U19 World Championships and you're just saying, get straight over, be early as a blocker, and just sit in the pocket and read, that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with training that, and you should be good at doing that. But you're not necessarily setting them up for success when they get to the world tour. And, um, and we're not training against each other with success. If we're always doing that, and we play Andy or Nikolai or Sarnowski or whoever down the list... And, and they're late, and we can't see them when they're reaching, and we have no idea how to hit against that because we've never seen it. Right. You don't so, want to take the creativity out of the game, too, right? for, like, a kid. That's right. Let them be creative. and That's a good point. I mean, I've never, I never learned how to block, ever. Yeah. From, like, a coach or anything. Yeah. I just did it because it was fun and yeah. whatever. Figured it out, and then yeah. I got to a pro level. Yeah. So I think Evie was probably my first coach. Yeah. Or I guess I did some of the youth national team. But right, right. It was just whatever, but... I think it, that all came because I was free. I never got coached. I that's didn't right. have to do it a right way. There was no right way to do it. I was yeah. just going to do whatever made the ball yeah, go down. So I learned that way, and you don't want to teach youth this this mechanical right. style of that's play, right. when, especially right. on the beach. That's like, to me, is a game where it's like all about creativity yeah. and like creating and like being super, uh, I don't know, just. Um, a, Adaptive, adaptive. Yeah, yeah, just adaptive yeah. To, to everything that happens. That's that's what beach volleyball that's right. is. That's right. What are they doing? I'm going to hit this way. You moved. Okay, I did that. That's right. Oh, how did you? Like, people that's will be right. like, how did you right. see that when you came that's in right. like this and you did that's that? Right. I was like, I didn't plan that. <laughs> they moved their hands. Right. And I just went like that's this right. and that's like right. did that. And then right. bounced it off my chest <laughs> and my shoulder. Like, yeah. you know, you have to for yourself to be creative and you can't teach kids at an early age that's right. 
to just be fundamentally sound all the yeah, time. Yeah. But you want to start there. Well, yeah, and you do want to teach them that fundamentals. You have to create a base for yourself right. to do all these other That's things. Right. Right. You have to have a base. And that, that you touched on something there, those two things right there, Try that I, I couldn't have said better. I couldn't maybe describe my role with my teams and players, not my teams, but the teams and the players that I work with better than how I'm trying to do those two things, which is regardless of what we're trying to do expanding, we all know Trevor Reagan, growth mindset, blah, blah, blah. I say it all the time. <laughs> it is so important what we're doing, but it's an overused, those are overused people in terms. But in order for us to grow, we have to know where our base is. And it's like kind of like, you know, like you, like your dog that's like trying to get in the pool. Like he's got to know he's on solid ground and he puts <laughs> his feet in, right? And then he, she puts his feet in. And then like whatever, right? And they don't just jump in. Yeah. Like if you jump in, you could drown. So that's part of what you're talking about is that like we have our base. What's our next step? What's, our, what's, our, what's the other thing we're trying to start by? Because or outside of our comfort zone. Because if you take someone that's just been sitting in the pocket reading their whole career and you try to go like, dude, watch Laura or watch Chantal or watch... Um, any of the number of girls, watch Nina, watch any of these girls that do a nice job of moving around, like, and just go, dude, you need to do that. And they go out there trying to move around. They're, they're going to be freaking lost. They're not going to know what's going on. So they got another base and the, and, and the uncomfortability they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then understand that uncomfortability. Then their base expands a little bit. Then expands a little bit. Then expands a little bit. And that is the main goal. The only reason we want to study the game, or the main reason we want to study the game and do this, and I preach this all the time, Trent, you hear it at the training groups, I'm sure all the time. I just don't want us or anyone I'm working with to lose a match because they weren't able to adjust or adapt or have the base knowledge to beat that team. Right. And I know from my experience, and this might be a little bit of opinion, but in the game today, talking about trends, teams do not just play straight up. They don't just block line and block angle straight over and start in the line and start angle. They're not doing that. That's not how teams are winning tournaments. That's not how they're progressing through matches and playing right. the game. They, they may do that a lot. And depending on their blocker size or their defender's readability, they might do that a ton. And a guy like a team like Brink and Reckerman, who, you know, I think everyone thought Brink and Reckerman was a very talented blocker, not that big. And Brink was a more or less a terrible defender. But he was able to fake and move and hide. And that was one of the people Jake told me to watch. Like, I want you to watch their defense because they're you know, you know, they're they're doing all this weird stuff and they're not just reading and hmm. you know, Casey was a new defender, so it was like, I mean, he's gonna get better at reading, but can we do some tricks and some different stuff? And so we know that that's not happening across the board. And what I don't want us to do is go into matches and be like, here's their two tendencies, not adaptations, but right. their two tendencies. And we're just gonna play for those. And I'm seeing that I think right now a little too often. We get stuck on a tendency. We're looking for the tendency. It doesn't come because they're just reacting to what we're doing. And so when you challenge yourself in training and you study the game a little bit and open your mind a little bit to maybe some more moves and you carefully work on those, not just like, you know, chaos for chaos sake. You carefully work on those over months and months and months and we only have 18 more months for Tokyo. But if you're working on them enough, carefully, strategically, and you're implementing them the right way, and then, oh, dude, I'm comfortable there. Now I can implement some more and have some more. Do we have a better chance of going through Tokyo and winning enough matches that we have to win? I think so, because we're going to play a team like Herrera-Gavira that's much like you guys. Then we're going to play a team that's 
um, like Nikolai Lupo, which is a lot like Phil and Nick. Yeah. Whatever the case may be, I'm, I'm seeing those examples so viewers have an idea of who we're talking about. Those are two different teams. You're just going to play different team, different team, different team. And all of those teams, ninth, fifth, semis, and gold medal match are going to be freaking good. And they're going to be able to adjust. None of those teams are going to play and go like, dude, this is how you get Pablo. You just block angle, dude. Why don't you just sit in the pocket yeah. and take his angle? I mean, you yeah. put Pablo enough. Like, you just lean a little bit. He's going to freaking hammer that thing down the oh, line. Dude, he's so and he's going to hit 14 different speeds and heights and, and, and angles angle. And, um, and he's going to go back, and then what are you going to do? And so you can't just pick up tendencies. Now, to ignore tendencies is naive and irresponsible. Right. Because you need to go on a match with a base of here's what he likes to do, and let's get on that, and right. let's see if that's available. At least make him do something he doesn't like to do. That's right. Yeah. And that's the part you're talking about of like this when waiting. Like, and we want people to be frustrated there. But we can't do that if we don't expand our moves. Mm-hmm. You know, try you're just so... When you play with John, and I know I see this now with Trevor, you have so many different tools. You can... You can. You and I talked about it. What we did, what you did on Alison, but if I stepped too high on Alison to the angle, because you were like, I wasn't big enough to just take his yeah, angle from there. I couldn't reach it. So I had to like get over there. But if I just stepped over there and went, he would see me go down the line. Yeah. So you learned how to like get under the net and then step under the net and then pop up out of nowhere. And that's just one example of a move we need to learn how to do. And if we're just talking about like, oh, dude, don't get beat on the line. And, oh, just make sure you're early in the angle. And every time someone gets, I see this all the time with our teams or our lower level teams, sure, like they don't, they're blocking four or two and they hit angle and the blocker doesn't get it. And it's just like the end of the world. I'm like, dude, they hit angle. You were blocking angle. I think that's a relative win. The worst thing that can happen is your defender's waiting and then running line. You jump early in the angle and they just bury down. We have no yeah. defense for that. But if you're late enough to where you're touching it, maybe you're almost getting it, we can come to solutions like you had with Ali Sun, which is like, right. okay, now I'm going to protect it by getting over there. I'm still getting over there, but I'm going to get under the net. Yeah. That's pretty unique. But, you know, whatever the case may be, we're still on the side of progression versus like bailout. Oh, my God. Old school philosophy is if I block angle, I have to shut down the angle. Um, but, dude, that's not the way defense is getting played. So yeah. um, those are movements we're trying to make. To be honest, like, when I'm playing with, for sure, Trevor, too, Hayden, whatever, a lot of it is we have our call. Yeah. This is my responsibility. But we trust each other enough to, if you see something out of this, go for it. Green light. Yes. Both guys. Yes. And then based on, you know, we're practicing together so much to get that feel for each other that I know where you're going to be behind me in that situation has nothing to do with the calls. Yeah. I might drop angle. Why am I dropping angle? Because I think that he can't hit angle quite as hard as he can bury line right now. So Phil, my defender, I might as well have my defender in the heat rather than me running off the yeah. net. Yeah. So I'm switching the call without yeah. telling him, but he knows why I'm doing it and I'm just doing it. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that, you know? Yeah. A lot of it is called the same thing like Anders. Yeah. If, if he had the coach tell him, if it's one, you block one. You let your partner <laughs> dig the angle. Yeah. Then he'd be wasting all this. You want to be the best be blocker like, in the world. But I can block. Yeah. I can tell you that. But I can block every ball. That's right. That's right. Instead, they're just like, you do what you. That's right. Uh, a Christian's in the back, like, do whatever you want back yeah. there. I'll just do whatever I want back here. Yeah. And and I know whatever our call is, you can do whatever you want. Just don't let him hit that one shot. That's right. 
and I'll do whatever I want. I'll make sure that one doesn't right. isn't covered, and That's we'll right. just improvise. In the so team. there's flexibility, creativity, readability through our calls. Trust in your partner. Trust. You have to if your partner goes for something like that. Yeah. Can't be like, oh, that was mine. That's right. You stole my that's dig. Right. You know, <laughs> even if they get tools, it's like, yes. And that's a perfect team to watch on that because you can actually see their reactions after that happens. Christian will be in the angle, and Anders will literally go like this. <laughs> yeah. And they'll slither down the line, and like, there's no problem. Right. Yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. Like Christian's like, yeah. Exactly. I think Christian probably should not say much to Andy when he's he blocking can. as many balls. As <laughs> yeah. Back. But Christian's digging as many balls as in the world right now as well. But I actually have some inside scoop, and we can actually relate your story right there, that team. I have to be, I'm trying to be cautious and careful and not over-talk about that team, because we don't want to put them on a pedestal, because, you know, Jake and Taylor had them. Taylor had a swing to beat them. Yeah, yeah. I think there's plenty of opportunities, plenty of ways to beat that team. Uh, I just think it's it's naive to not learn from them, whatever whatever it is we can learn. If yeah. it's Whatever it is. Right. But I, I have the uh, some of the inside background on that team, because... A lot of players and coaches have come and be like, well, can't how did share they... too much in case the Euros are listening. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> how did they how did they get how did they get so good? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, dude, what are they doing over there? And like how are they training? Everyone wants to think that it's that. And I already had my idea of why they were good, but so the the quick backstory on that is um I just got this job. They were not relevant. I think you guys played them in Cloggenford 16, but we were at the Olympics. And um, yeah. so I didn't see them at that tournament. Um, and I so, didn't know who they were. I was I thought it was a great draw. Yeah. And, and then you're like, damn, he's going to flying. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. I'm yeah. supposed to be in the quarterfinals in Klagenberg yeah. right now, damn it. And I think I'd seen a couple Norwegian teams. There's a couple other ones. Heinrich and his Yeah, there were. There's a couple other good ones. And there's a couple blonde kids, dude, by the way. Not shocking that they're blonde. <laughs> but there's another team, dude, that's going to be on the tour. I think maybe this should, like, they're going to be coming up. That's gnarly, too. I don't too. doubt it. Um, and I saw a couple of them in Stad that year in 16. And so I just barely seen them. And then I didn't see them in Cla- I didn't see them that year in 16. And then I wasn't around last year. Right. So I hadn't seen these guys at all. My first turn was Huntington this year. I was, like, on the job for, like, two weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And you were there but not playing. And right. Um, and I was just kind of getting back into it and, and I'm like watching these guys and I'm like, and th- I think they were like 38th in the world at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, literally like, in they were the still in qualifiers for sure. Yeah. They were, they were well outside the top 24. Yeah. Jesus. Um, and that was, that was Huntington of this year. That was oh April of this year. Team of the and, year, player of the year, defender of the year. Yeah. By and, the end. And, and I watched them play and they had, I think, a good win, and they barely lost to Avandro and, and, um, and Andre and at the Andre. time. Gnarly, gnarly match. It's overtime the third. And literally, I was talking to Sean Scott, some people, <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm telling you right now, and this was like a bold statement, and it's easy to say. <laughs> but I said this to Sean during that tournament. I said, that team's going to be a top five team in the world by the end of this year. That's a bold statement for a team that was 38th or whatever they were in the world. Right. Um, and 21, 20 and 21 years old at the time. Now I believe they're 21 and 22. They both had birthdays. But um, literally, I guess obviously since it's March, it's been 11 months. But uh, <laughs> Rich, would, Rich would make sure that I... Uh, oh, that for sure. That'd be a... <laughs> that, that, was, that, was a, that was a thoughtless statement that should be ridiculed and corrected. <laughs> yeah. Before we can move on to anything else... I think Rich did sanity. that to me on the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, on my last Instagram post. <laughs> but anyway, 20 and 21... They're whatever. And I'm not trying to tell you, oh, look at me, I'm some prophet. That's not my point. My point is that back to this evidence or fact or these patterns, yeah. I saw 
all of the patterns that I see in all of the teams, not all, but a lot of the teams that are winning and a lot of the different countries and the different genders, they were doing all of those things. And so I said, I'm like, hey, I think this team's going to be a top five team in the world by the end of the year. It's just going to matter whether they have the toughness, the grit, the professionalism, like that stuff I don't know. If they have that stuff, which it seems that they have some of it, then they're going to be a top five team because volleyball-wise, physicality-wise, they are doing all of the things at the highest level that anyone else that's any good is doing. Yeah. So I don't want to quantify this incredibly adaptive, incredibly difficult sport that we all put our heart into, and particularly the athletes that, you know, I don't want to try to play some video game that says, like, oh, it doesn't matter what you're doing out there. But I also want to speak to the fact that, like, not only did I say that at the tournament, but then I had people watching video, and we were watching video on those guys way before they even got, like, a fifth, you know? And I was like, why are we watching these guys? I'm like, watch this guy block. Watch this guy play D. Watch this guy, these guys serve and do stuff. And again, I'm not trying to put on a pedestal. I'm going like, we need to learn. This is happening. The, the, the story, I think it's worth kind of diving into the whole story because, uh, I don't know, you could ask, I think Emily and Kelly were on that group. I mean, obviously Taylor and Jake, like um, guys that I was already watching a lot of video with because at that time I wasn't watching video with that much people because everyone's going like, uh, who are you? Are you? <laughs> don't steal my food off my plate yeah. stuff. Which I think we've kind of developed relationships through now. Uh, but watching video with people, I was watching them. I'm, we're watching this team. I'm like, dude, this is good stuff. We need to learn from them. And I'm going like, dude, I'm telling everybody. I'm like, this team I'm telling you is going to be a top five team in the world. I had no idea they were going to take over the world tour right. and dominate the way they did. I think they lost one match in like 35 and dominated deeper than anyone in recent memory. Alison and Bruno were close. It was a little bit, I think his closest thing was Phil, Phil and Todd. Todd and, you know, 2010, 11, 9, 10, 11. Um, but theirs was so short. Obviously, I think you guys know, but they won more money than any team in the history of beach volleyball in a span of four tournaments. You guys know that? Yeah. They won $275,000 in four tournaments. Oh, my God. Javi, Dodd, Karts, no one's ever done that in four Vienna, tournaments. Vienna, Stad, Hamburg. And European champs. Yeah. Um, and so... That's whatever. a good time to get hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to get out. But the cool thing is that you know they wouldn't even have had that if ta- if Taylor and Jake turned that. They're play. still living at home. Cut shot. Yeah, they so, <laughs> they're still living at home. So yeah, so that cut shot that Christian got. Dad, you can keep my allowance. Uh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So so why, why does this happen? Like why why are okay? I, I do not want this to sound like I know everything because I don't know even close to everything. But I knew enough about the patterns we're talking about to go, I predict that that team could do it. I definitely wasn't predicting they would have done what they did. Um, and I was actually hoping they weren't going to be that good. But um, but the point I'm trying to make is not like you should listen to me or, or anybody else. It's you should listen to the world. And you should listen to these patterns we can find. Because, it, it and, and the reason the inside scoop I was talking about is I coached a guy named Bjarne Hoos or Bjarne Hoos who was on my team in Long Beach State. And he and I have a wonderful relationship and we're really tight. And I don't know if I've studied the game indoor more with maybe anybody than Bjorn. And he's Norwegian. And his partner was Christian growing up. Everyone thinks Andy and Christian have been together for a long time. They really haven't. Uh, Christ, uh, Andy was playing indoors and then he kind of came to the beach a couple years ago. And he was always playing beach, but not, he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And uh, Bjorn was Christian's partner, and they went to U19 World Championships like four years ago or three years ago, and they got silver medal. Yeah. 
and they played together their whole life. They were the best Norwegian team or whatever, um, and they're best friends. And I mean, all of those guys are pretty tight, I think. Bjorn's now playing indoor, but he was one of the best students of the game that I've ever been around um, in terms of my kids I coached at college. And he's just a stud. I love him, dude. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And we have this great student game relationship. So I go, literally, the day of that tournament, I'm like, call Bjorn. Because I was still coaching him at Long Beach. Yeah. I, sorry, he was still at Long Beach. And I was like, Bjorn, dude, you got to tell me the backstory. Dude, you guys like stealing video over there and like breaking it down and like training the shit out of everything. He's like, what do you think? I go, I think those guys grew up watching YouTube and they just learned the game. Mm-hmm. I think they, I think you guys love volleyball. I know you. So I just think you guys studied the game and trialed and aired, like you said, we're creative and had this creativity and then went and saw, tried it out on the world tour and you guys were good enough to do it and now you're doing it. But I don't know, maybe you have some like massive gurus. He's like, dude, their parents coached them. And they were legends, but they weren't, they're not like in-depth guru coaches. They're kind of like supportive family members yeah. with great volleyball nuggets and knowledge, but definitely not some like training gurus and whatever. Yeah. And they're not watching volumetrics. So anyway, the long story short with all of that is kind of circle back to some of the things is like, let's take one example and just take it for what it's worth. Not everybody's Andy and Christian, and we're not all going to do it the same way. But all those guys did was fall in love with the game, have some freedom, watch YouTube. Yeah. And literally Bjorn's like, all we did was watch YouTube. And we just like, dude, look at that move. Like, let's go try that. Yeah. Look at that. Let's go That's try awesome. that. Let's go do that. Which is what Michael Jackson did. How Michael Jackson and nobody told them music. how the perfect way to do it. That's right. You know? That's right. When so look, we can learn that from those guys. When I look at uh, our childhood, like all of us Hawaii guys, you know, there's a lot of great players that came out of Hawaii. Indoor Beach. I remember going to Dave Shoji was was my coach for a long time he's like the legendary coach in Hawaii uh, and there's a lot of other he's doing great well. coaches he's but, doing well too huh yeah he's doing well he's yeah. doing well but when I think of Dave like I played soccer with Eric like I, he's been coaching me since I was a little kid baseball he's my Dave Shoji is my little little league t-ball coach there you go dude and uh, all I remember from Dave coaching us and he's this legend in Hawaii is, sure. is him teaching us passing yeah. He just literally just like we just passed, played some defense, maybe served some balls, and then it was just play. Yeah. And just like released the beast and he would yeah. just step back. Yeah. First yeah. of all, we were like crazy kids. I think he just like didn't want to deal with us. <laughs> yeah. But but I think that allowed us to be creative and like I never yeah. got taught how to hit. Like kids just want to hit. We're gonna figure yeah. it out, you know? Yeah. But they taught us the fundamentals and all the the, the stuff that would give us the ability to be good hitters, the ability right. to be good blockers, the, right. you know, the footwork, the fundamentals, all that stuff. Yeah. I don't remember them teaching us anything about right. hitting or right. never blocking. Yeah. Anything. Just just pass. Learn how to pass, and then we'll just let you guys go play and beat yeah. up on each other. And, like, obviously, it, it has, those kind of coaches that we grew up with have made us all elite players that's right all from like one little canoe club what a bomb yeah. <laughs> yeah. and even Basically. your generation before you yeah you know, exactly same guys, thing Stein same thing and, and, and Sean and everyone Mike Lambert um, I mean Sharon. they had some of the Mason same coaches Bush, actually you yeah know? like Shoot, Peter Balding and, guys, yeah. yeah Chris McLaughlin those are the same coaches yeah I mean there's just so much to say about that trial and error of that baby court yeah. and everything that you guys did and the creativity, but kind of discipline to the fundamentals that Hawaiian players have. Like they have these fundamentals. Yeah. 
They can play the whole game. The all-around game. The yeah. all-around game. It's not like we don't have... There's no seven... There's no really tall people in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to play middle because I was tall. Yeah. And because we had Trevor on one pin, Brad yeah. Lawson on another pin. Yeah. Reese on the other pin, yeah. like everyone could hit. So I was like, well, someone's got to play middle. Yeah. I was like, well, I like blocking on the beach, yeah. so I'll, I'll go block. <laughs> How about Brad's uh, national championship game stats? Oh I mean, my God. It's just like, no one will ever touch well, that. Yeah, one of the best. And uh, it is the best. Well, he was 16 for 16, except for. Uh, uh, over on the back. He stepped on the 10 foot yeah. line like that. Yeah, oh. He hit like 890 or 910 <laughs> in, in the, the national finals, championship. <laughs> in the finals. It was insane. Yeah. Anyway, good stuff, dude. Yeah, man. We appreciate that. That was just good wealth of knowledge right there for our listeners. Yeah, dude. I love it. And and that's what we're up to, people. That's what (laughs) we're up to in the lab. I'm trying to learn a bunch from this guy, and uh, we're trying to develop a a real good culture for the U.S. going forward. And it's going to be different, I think, you know, especially after this next quad, because there's going to be a big changing of the guard. But yeah. Yeah, man, we're. Uh, I'm excited to to be a part of that yeah. and uh, hopefully lead it for you. Yeah, ideally. There you go. Yeah. Well, don't lead it for me. Lead it for you and uh, for all of us. Ah, uh, yeah. Bailey. Team mascots back. Up, Let's go. What up? Um, oh, Bailey, you know a dog person, huh? When you see <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my dog would. Uh, you got a great really Dane. Like He's got a great Dane. <laughs> oh, I saw. I met the great Dane in the oh, cafe yeah, Rio. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, we have one last question we ask all our guests, yeah. which is: if you had one piece of advice for an up-and-coming beach volleyball player, yeah. what would that piece of advice be? Uh, move to Norway and do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beach volleyball academy. <laughs> No, I think, uh, I really think, uh, I mean, maybe we're overkill on this, but I think you got to study the game. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a young beach volleyball player, um, and, and maybe their parents, which are kind of one and the same maybe at that age, um, they want to go find the right coach or the right, you know, team or club or yeah. situation. And I think you got to do that. But um, I think that one of the worst things that can happen is it doesn't work out or it doesn't fit or they're teaching you stuff that's not updated. Um, and so I would say go study the game, dude. Watch YouTube. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that so now I just, I was just told to watch YouTube. He <laughs> yeah. just indicates everything. He's actually been nailing it. He's like, I watched your match from 2013 yeah. or something. Like that. I don't even remember yeah. playing. Yeah. He watches. I learned how to dive block yeah. by watching try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Ty. All right. Thanks, Thank coach. You. Thanks for having me, guys. It's yes, been a blast. Sir. It was and, fun. Uh, Shoots. 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 It was a nice breeze off the wind. Yeah. Offshore, yeah, exactly. I think, today. It's nice. We'll go take a little uh, pure dive Perfect. after this. There we go. Yeah. There's actually waves, too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Tyler. Boom, baby. Boom. Boom.